The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. You're tuned in to an all-new edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Got two guests today on the Modern Women phone line. Keith Carter, Ole Miss Athletics Director, and Mike Clement, Ole Miss Baseball Hitting Coach. So much to cover, including an extension for Ole Miss Offensive Coordinator and Quarterbacks Coach Jeff Lebby. Bradley Sow demanding on Tuesday that Ole Miss commit to Jeff Lebby. Well, Ole Miss did. And the guy that got it done, Keith Carter, is on this podcast today. Before we jump to it, though, let me tell you about my bookie. Too much of anything is bad. But too much sports is barely enough. With that in mind, say hello to January 2021. From an expanded NFL playoffs and the BCS National Championship game to the return of the NBA and NHL, this is truly a great month to be a sports fan. And I always tell people to head over to MyBookie if they want to add a little excitement to the sports they love and the games they bet. I don't use MyBookie because some corporate overlord told me to. I use them because they're the best. They'll hook you up with a 50% deposit bonus up to 1000 bucks when you sign up, and they'll keep the good times rolling with giveaways, free bets, and huge contests all year long. It's simple. Sign up, enter promo code TOC for Talk of Champions, TOC, and get your deposit match halfway up to 1000 bucks. Head over to MyBookie today and start 2021 off on the right foot. This year, bet with the best. Bet with MyBookie. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley Sal former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. Two guests today on Talk of Champions, Keith Carter, Ole Miss Athletics Director, and Mike Clement, Ole Miss Baseball Hitting Coach, coming to us on the Modern Women phone line. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. When you do, leave a five-star review. doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. It looks like all Ole Miss needed was for Bradley Sow. To voice, oh no, demand 
that Ole Miss commit to Jeff Levy to get action, to get it done. Jeff Levy has signed a two-year extension with Ole Miss to remain at Ole Miss as offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Happy day for you, Brad. Yeah, absolutely, man. Hey, Keith Carter, shout out to Keith Carter, man. I mean, what a um, – he obviously gets it. I mean, it's it's good to have a guy, an AD, that is um, you know make, making things happen for Ole Miss. That is a great commitment. I mean, uh, getting Lane Kiffin under contract and then going right after Levy. I mean, it's about time Ole Miss has someone that, that, that cares about winning in there. Keith Carter is going to come up here shortly to talk about the contract extension, the discussions around it, what went into it. Spoiler alert, I tried, I tried, I tried, but he would not tell me the terms. Still, I got as close as I could, and there's some really interesting stuff in there. A few uh, important items to note here before we really get rolling. Jerrion Ely as Mike Clement's going to talk about here in just a little bit. He's going to have shoulder surgery on Thursday. It's not an overly serious shoulder surgery, but there were some things he needs to clean up. It's his right shoulder, I believe. He's going to have surgery on Thursday. He's out for all of baseball season, so that certainly stinks for him as far as how it pertains to Ole Miss baseball and how he would have factored in. I'll let Mike speak to that. And also, Blake Gideon, as we told you, was probably coming on, I guess it's now Tuesday's podcast. This is Wednesday. We're going back to back. I just realized that in real time. Blake Gideon is gone to Texas, gone back home to Texas. So almost loses its special teams coordinator. But Jeff Levy, we've talked about this. Of all of the assistant coaches on Lane Kiffin's staff, he's the one that it was imperative to keep. And Auburn was definitely a serious pursuer of Jeff Levy. And yet here he is committing to Ole Miss. If we're going to break down all of the big developments at the end of this offseason, this will certainly be within the top three at least. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is huge to keep, to keep him, man. I mean, he has a good relationship with the players. He's a hell of offensive coach. I think he's the next head coach in waiting. And um, I think it's just huge for Ole Miss to keep a guy like that. Keep the momentum going. Let's keep this staff together on a full offseason and see what um, what they can do. Um, you know, get, getting some, some time in the spring, getting some guys developed spending more time with them. Um, I mean, yeah, this is, this was really, really important that we keep these guys together. I think that's huge for next year. It's almost like everything's falling into place. A lot of people are coming back. You got the band coming back together. You're adding good players. Um, I mean, the the attitude around this building and around Oxford should be high and um, highly motivated going into next year. Jay Stanley has entered the transfer portal, little used defensive back. I'm concerned about some of these guys entering the transfer portal because here's something they need to keep in mind. If they drop down a level, if they go to Jacksonville State, for example, they don't have a stipend anymore. So you better have already lined up your next stop, be it Southern Miss or wherever, because if you have to drop down, one, you might have to go to a place where you don't get paid anymore, or two, because of the hard cap on the rosters. They didn't expand the rosters. The NCAA didn't, unlike they did in baseball. So if you don't have your spot lined up, it might be over for you. So I hope that the Jay Stanleys of the world that are in the portal are Ryder Anderson, that y'all land and you'll land softly. And of course, you wish them the best. You'd have to be a jerk not to wish them the best. Just think about that if you're an Ole Miss fan watching all these different guys enter the portal and where they land. There are a lot of different variables that go into that. And um, Jay Stanley, he's entered the transfer portal. But Dontario Drummond, he announced that he's coming back. Ole Miss is getting key returning guys back. Jalen Jones announced he's coming back. So big developments, not only do you get the news of Jeff Levy, but veteran guys like a Jalen Jones, like a Dontario Drummond, who did produce. Jalen Jones has got past production lately because of the injuries. Certainly that's fallen off. But 
You give me a full offseason of Jalen Jones getting better, getting healthier, and Don Terrio Drummond building on what was a really strong year for him, especially when Elijah Moore, Kenny Yaboa, the top three pass catchers for Ole Miss were gone for the at-bat bowl, including Braylon Sanders, who's coming back. He was injured. And Don Terrio Drummond, he stepped up, including that game-winning touchdown in the Outback Bowl. So getting those guys back on top of Jeff Levy, like you mentioned, the continuity of it is so, so important considering how good Ole Miss was offensively all year. Yeah, the, the, some of these guys could be having FOMO, fear of missing out. So um, I, I think they, they see what's coming. They, they see what's building, and I think they want to be part of something special, and just it's just evident. Um, you know, most guys have are staying and returning, and um, I don't know that this would have been the case had, had it been a shit show this year. Um, and, and they they see what's coming, man. I mean, they, they they know that this next year they could they could do something special in Oxford, and um, I think everything's right in front of them for the taking. Especially um, you know with Alabama losing people, you know everybody's losing uh, quite a, quite a few key players. We're we're not losing quite as much, so um, the chance to compete is going to be there. And um, I, I think these guys got a little taste of success, and um, next year could be even better. So. Um, it, it is nice to see everybody coming back and, and some pieces falling into place. You have a unique perspective being a former player. Matt Corral has had three offensive coordinators in his time at Ole Miss. First, it was Phil Longo. Then it was Rich Rodriguez. Now it's Jeff Levy to retain his offensive coordinator, especially considering he just got off of, without a doubt, his best season, one of the best seasons all time, single seasons in uh, Ole Miss program history. That continuity as a player, how important is that? And what can that mean as far as developmentally over the offseason? Yeah, I mean, anytime you're familiar with uh, with an offense, it certainly helps get into the next level. Um, you know, it's uh, we'd like to say when, when a new offense coordinator comes in, you can only do so much that first year because you really want to try to get your basics down. You want to try to get your bread and butter, get really good at your bread and butter. But whenever you've been there a couple of years, you can start adding stuff. You can start, you know, add some twists to certain plays and you can kind of go to, so to speak, 102 level, you know, you're 101 first year. Now you're 102. Now you're adding different stuff. You, you remember you got a good, a good um, memory. You got a good memory bank. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just the progression of the offense. You can keep building and getting even, even more exotic, even more crazy. So, um, it's certainly huge as a player to, to be familiar with an offense for, for multiple years. We did it when I was in Arizona, by the time we got to Bruce Arians year three and four, I mean, it was, we were, we were adding all kinds of stuff and it was, it was really fun. And we had, I think the number one offense in the NFL that year. So, um, yeah, the longer in it, the, the longer you got players and coaches working together, the, the better they understand it. And, and you can put that thing on autopilot. Matt Corral right now getting plus 1900 odds, betting odds for the Heisman next year. Devonte Smith won the Heisman. Good job voters for doing the right thing. A non quarterback won the Heisman. Maybe Matt Corral builds a shadow Heisman campaign in what will probably be his last year next year, considering the quarterback class for the NFL draft in 2022. But the spring, assuming Ole Miss gets a spring, if you're a Matt Corral who's produced and you're coming back with your quarterbacks, coaching your offensive coordinator, what is the spring like? What do you work on? Because you're not installing plays. You're not in a quarterback battle. What is the spring then like for Matt Corral and the rest of the offense? You do something called self-scouting, man. I mean, you go through all the film and you look at everything that you struggle with and you really make sure you have an answer for it um, going into the next year. So, you know, you you take the good and and you keep building on it, but then you take the bad and you really learn from it. So you try to take all all the weakness out of your game that you possibly can take out. So whenever you get to an Arkansas game, they're drop eight and all game, you got answers for that. Whenever you get to, you know, heavy zone or or whatever, you're not forcing the ball. So, 
um, yeah, I mean, it, you just find everything you struggle with and you try to, to really have an answer going into the next year. You self scout and you just keep getting better and better at what you, um, what you think you need to get better at and try to eliminate all weaknesses if possible. And, um, you know, going into next year, you got to think he's going to have another jump and, um, you knock out that Arkansas game and, and an LSU game, which was, which was kind of crazy with the weather. And you look at his season over, um, over the season. I mean, that's, you, you get better from that. You, you are certainly looking at a, at a potential Heisman, uh, finalist for sure. So I, I, I can see him definitely competing for that. Talk about a four day triple dip. You were worried about Lane Kiffin. He gets an extension. The Outback Bowl, they beat number 11, Indiana. You're worried for a couple of days about Jeff Levy. And it wasn't just Auburn that was talking to him. Many other schools had interest in him. And then an announcement, he's also been extended for two more years. So Keith Carter doing work. And he's about to join us now on the Modern Women phone line. If you haven't already, subscribe to Review Talk of Champions and iTunes. Also available on SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit. OmSpirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. It's Keith Carter, Ole Miss Athletics Director. But first, let's hear from B&A Bank. And modern woodman. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC an equal housing lender. Are you tired of working nine to five for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. The Modern Woodman phone line. Cool, we'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman, let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Been on Twitter going down to the Modern Woodman phone line to speak to Keith Carter, Ole Miss Athletics Director. You're in Tampa, Keith, man. You were there for the win. How was it? How you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Uh, Tampa was, was so much fun. You know, I, I could just tell our, our team and, and everyone had such a good time. And, and you know, Ben, I think you know, after 18 to 20 weeks of football and, and the grind that, that, you know, the season was this year, it was just so good for them to get a reward. And, you know, after the game, I was down on the field and I just kind of posted up on about the 40-yard line and watched all our guys running around having a good time and celebrating. And, you know, it just makes you realize how, how fun it is and, and how much, you know, all the challenges were, you know, were worth it, you know, to, to get to the end, the end game. And, uh, you know, it was awesome to see them have a good time. So, uh, now not only that, you got a lot of momentum now going into next year and uh, a lot of exciting things going on. A lot of Ole Miss fans there, and obviously the administration was represented, the players, the coaches, they were there, but it wasn't the typical bowl experience. Did it still feel like a bowl experience being there in the action as it happened? 
Yeah, no, it, it felt good. You know, I think the uh, the stadium was actually, you know, Indiana, you know, brought a lot of people. We brought a lot of people, and, and so the stadium was fun and energized. And you know, I think you know, being in Tampa and in Florida, the weather was, was that is something new and unique. And uh, you know, I just felt like you know, seeing around the hotel and at practice, and you know, they just had a lot of energy, had a lot of uh, a lot of good times, and you know, obviously, it, it never hurts to win. So. Uh, just a, a good overall experience uh, and something that we hope we can build on and, and, and do even more in the future. Now that the whole year is over, how tough was it to just get this season in, get it as normal as possible, and to get the money you needed and everything you needed that usually comes with a football season? Well, you know, there was a lot of discussion on, on Saturday after the game about, you know, if, if you had said in July, you know, we were going to get 10 games in, we were going to get to play a bowl game. You know, I'm not sure many of us would have would have put a lot of money on that. Um, there was just so many challenges. And, you know, to get through the season, you know, for us administratively, certainly, you know, we worked extremely hard. And, you know, there's a lot of decisions that had to be made and, and those type of things. But I just think where the credit has to go is to the players and, and the coaches. You know, I mean, they, they just battled and, you know, testing three days a week and, you know, doing the right things off the field and, and, and practicing hard and, you know, not knowing, you know, week to week, if you're going to be able to play really until Friday, you know, based on the testing protocols and, and those types of things. And, you know, we were extremely fortunate for most of the season uh, that we didn't have the positive cases. We, we, we didn't miss games. And obviously it hit us a little bit there late, had to miss the A&M game. And, you know, then there, you know, the, the games get pushed back and, and different things, but, uh, I just give them a lot of credit for them continuing to to work hard and you know, do the right thing, stay focused. And, you know, you look at, at really how long this season was uh, for our team to finish on the note that they did with all the energy that they had at that bowl game was, was pretty impressive. What was the hardest moment of the entire season? And what was the greatest moment? Probably the bowl win, but just what was the kind of contrast there for you? Well, I, I think the hardest, you know, it's probably hard to put it into one moment. You know, I think it was just kind of the, just the constant grind of the season, you know, and, and we're dealing with that in some other sports right now. You know, women's basketball just came off of quarantine and men's basketball's dealt with that and some of our other sports as well. But, you know, just, just getting to the finish line, you know, I think every week uh, when we kicked the ball off at the game, it was just almost like a deep breath. Like we made it through the week and every week was that same way. You know, it was just constant, you know, you, you wait for those tests to come back and especially the, you know, the tests from Thursday to Friday morning and, you know, some sleepless nights and you wake up in the middle of the night thinking about, you know, are we going to be able to play and, and that type of thing. So uh, I just think it's a huge accomplishment to get through the season, um, you know, to, to finish five and five. And obviously all of the, the things that happen on the field are, are, are incredible. And, you know, we love, you know, what Coach Kiffin and the team were able to accomplish. But I think, you know, just the biggest accomplishment is, is you know, literally getting through the season and, and getting the games played. So a lot of credit to a lot of people, Commissioner Sankey, the SEC office, you know, the ADs, the presidents. Uh, but as I mentioned, just, you know, the, the team and, and the staff did a tremendous job. You could tell that Ole Miss fans were excited, still are excited. And it, it was kind of the exact result that you were looking for when you went out and hired Lane Kiff, an immediate excitement and engagement and fans just buying in and it seemed to culminate with the bowl win when you went out looking for a coach is this the kind of momentum after year one that you were looking for yeah i think so you know we, we knew coach would would bring you know a certain notoriety to to our program just based on you know who he was and and you know that was one of the reasons we wanted to bring him here uh was to kind of bring that splash and bring the energy back and, and obviously we knew he was a fantastic coach and uh, you know, that showed up this year as well. So, 
you know, I think you look back 12 months and, and kind of where we are, um, you know, I feel like we've got, you know, basically the same excitement today as we did 12 months ago when we, when we hired Coach Kiffin. And, and I think that's a good thing. So, uh, you know, excited about the year and, um, you know, excited about the future. Any idea about next year, talks about next year, what it might look like? Or I know it's a month-to-month thing. It was like that last year. What are the conversations like now, and what does it look like right now? Well, I'll be honest, Ben. You know, not a lot of not a lot of discussions about next football season yet. I mean, we still got to figure out our SEC, you know, baseball schedule here in the next few days, and kind of what that looks like. And that's you know, we got a game in a month and a half. So, um, you know, we we will have obviously discussions on that, and and we want to be very proactive on that. But I think one of the things that we learned um, that we did well is, is we did wait. You know, we waited and got all the information that we we need and. Um, you know, some other conferences didn't do that. They kind of jumped out there and made some hasty decisions. So uh, I know I know Greg and, and everyone at the SEC office is going to want to make sure we get all the information that we need. And you know, I think if we look back over the past eight or nine months, uh, you know, you can almost see in real time, you know, how, how new information can help and how you can make decisions. And I'm sure, you know, with the vaccine and, and everything that we're going to have here over the next few months, uh, there's going to be a lot of new information here, you know, that we're going to want to process. And and, and that'll be able to help us make those decisions. So uh, we're going to take a deep breath from football for just a few minutes, and then uh, we'll jump back in it, I'm sure, at some point here in the in the coming days. Well, you brought it up about baseball and the scheduling. There's been a lot floated out there, including a potential four-game weekend every weekend, no midweek games come the SEC schedule. What are the current discussions like right now? Well, you know, I'll be honest. You know, it's, it's been a little bit quiet over the break. Um, you know, I know that we're going to jump back into it and, and probably make a decision here in the next, you know, seven to 10 days, I would think in the next couple of weeks and, and get that schedule out and, and what that's going to look like. Um, you know, I think there's pros and cons to, 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 to different ways that you can look at it. Obviously going, you know, with an all, you know, all conference only schedule, uh, you control a lot of variables, uh, but obviously the competition gets harder. I mean, already, you know, Sunday games get a little wild. I mean, can you imagine, you know, that fourth game of the weekend, you know I mean? It's just, you know, the, the pitching staff, you know, taxing them and just a lot of different things. So, um, I, I think, you know, we'll continue to go down that road, but, uh, you know, obviously we're getting close to the season. We've got to make that decision soon. Do you expect fans to be allowed into Swayze at any point? I do. Absolutely. I do. I think with it being outside, that certainly helps us. Um, you know, I think we're going to anticipate, you know, the, the current executive order, I believe has 25% for outdoor events, uh, in the state. So we're going to, we're going to kind of base off of the 25% and, and then in hopes that, you know, with vaccines and, and, you know, new treatments and those types of things. And hopefully these numbers will start to go down at some point uh, that we may end up with more than that. But uh, that 25% baseline has kind of been what we've been working off of so far. Do you anticipate tailgating being a part of that at all? Um, probably not. Um, you know, I think, you know, obviously we're going to have to look at how left and right field look. Um, you know, there, there's, there's some situations out there with tents and, you know, obviously in right field with the students, just kind of a giant mosh pit. So we're going to have to look at what all that looks like with social distancing. Um, I would assume that, you know, anything outside of the stadium would, would be similar to, to the way we did football, probably no tailgating. Um, but again, those decisions, uh, you know, we're, we're finalizing some of those and, and hopefully those will be out here soon. Not to bury the lead, even though I already have, it was a double dip on Saturday. Not only did you win the Outback Bowl, but got the extension announced with Lane Kiffin. What were the discussions like leading up to that extension? And um, maybe what were the conversations with his representation and yourself? Well, you know, Lane and I have been talking about this for, for over a month. You know, we, 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 I try to be very proactive on that, um, you know, and start talking about you know, his 
you know, his, his contract and what we could, what we could do for him and, and him for us, you know, and, and I think it's been a, a great conversation. Uh, obviously, as you mentioned, you know, talks with Jimmy and, um, you know, I think we're in a really good place. You know, I think Lane's excited about the future. I think he's excited about our plan here, um, you know, with facilities and, and some of the things we're going to do there. And, you know, obviously uh, he had a great year and needed to be rewarded for that. So, um, you know, I wanted to make sure that, you know, this was going to be kind of a, a strange year. Um, you know, when you get into the silly season, normally you got a lot of a lot of moving parts. But with COVID, you really just didn't know what to expect. And um, you know, the Auburn deal was a was a big thing. But we we had already been having conversations well before the Auburn job opened up, and, and we're in a really good place. And um, you know, you just you, you want to be ahead of that. You want to you want to show your coach that you uh, you know you, you value them and, and what they've done. And um, you know, I think we're in a good spot. So. Uh, not going to release terms right now. We're going to we're going to kind of let that um, settle out a little bit, and, and and we'll release those at some point. But uh, we're in a good spot. I think Coach Kiffin feels good about where we are, and uh, and I think we're both looking forward to the future. You knew exactly what I was about to ask you next, and that's about the terms. Since you're not going to give away the terms, I'll just ask this: There's a lot made about the buyout, what it was, because no one ever really knew what it was. Was the buyout upped in the agreement? Um, yeah, there were some discussions on that. Um, you know, we wanted, I think for, for coach Kiffin, you know, it was important for us that, you know, he, he showed that, that he was invested and, and he did, you know, and, and I think that's a good thing. I, you know, you, you hear a lot out there about, you know, let's, let's get the buyout up to this number. Uh, and it's just unrealistic. You know, when you look around the country, uh, and you look at some of the, you know, the averages and even in our league, some of the averages, uh, you know, some of these numbers that are floated out there are just, you know, very unrealistic. But I, I think we have a very healthy buyout. Um, you know, I don't anticipate Coach Kiffin leaving. Um, you know, we've, we've had so many substantial conversations about what we can do here and, and those type of things. But certainly we want to protect the university, and uh, I feel like we did that. What did he necessarily want to see as far as commitment? Not maybe year-to-year average for salary or buyout, but facilities upgrades and things like that. Were, were those part of the conversations for y'all? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's something that, you know, is important to me. Um, you know, as I mentioned, I think I mentioned on Saturday as I, I was talking to Richard Cross before the game, you know, this is going to be a, a department-wide comprehensive look at facilities. Uh, obviously, football will be a huge part of that, um, you know, and, and some of the things that, that he talked about and, you know, we're, we're honestly right in, in line with what I thought we needed to do. And, and that's been kind of cool along the way that we've we've kind of been in lockstep on, on what we think is the right thing for facilities and what's important and what the priorities should be. So, um, you know, that's important. And obviously, you know, you want to keep a great staff, you know, you want to make sure that you can, you know, keep the coaches that you want. And, and if you need to make a change, you can go out and, and get coaches that you know can come in and help build the program. So uh, we talked about, you know, our staff pool and, and making sure that, uh, you know, we're, we're doing the right thing by the assistant coaches as well. For you, what is the top priority, just in your opinion, of what facilities need to be approached or attacked first? Well, I think we've got some work to do in the Manning Center. You know, I think that is a that's a great building down there. The bones are, are really good. You know, we did some really significant improvements there five or six years ago, maybe even a little longer than that. Uh, and it's time to go back down there and, and do some more. You know, I think the weight room, you know, is, is one that needs to be looked at. I think the locker room is one that needs to be looked at. Um, but just some, you know, kind of an overall uh, updating of, of the Manning Center. And I think that's important to coach as well. Uh, you know, I think, you know, thinking long term, you know, we're, we're looking at some things with the stadium. Um, it can be really cool. But, uh, you know, those, those would probably be toward the, the end of a, of a capital campaign or a master plan, that type of thing. 
But, uh, you know, I think the immediate needs are in the Manning Center and, and Coach Kiffin agrees. As far as when you'll be able to start projects, not just in football, but in all sports, because of COVID, that slowed down. So when do you think you can pick back up with that stuff? Well, we, we've been in active conversations over the past few months. Um, you know, like you said, when COVID hit, we basically just shut down all, all projects, all facility you know, needs, and, and just said, let's, let's hold on those. Um, the track locker room, which was slated to start really last April, uh, is going to get started here pretty soon. That's going to be the first project that we're going to get started on, and, and we need to get that done before uh, we're going to host the SEC championship in 2022 in the spring. We need to get that started. Um, but I, I think, you know, we're going to we're going to engage with facilities planning, Ian Banner on campus and and maybe even bring in a third party to help us with our master plan and, and get architects involved. But uh, we're going to be aggressive. You know, we're going to try to move forward quickly. And, uh, you know, in a perfect world, we would potentially, you know, be, be moving some dirt or, or, or bringing in hammers and shovels and those type of things, you know, maybe even later this year, toward the end of this year, early next year. As far as the overall health of the budget, that was the concern going in getting the games in football. It just matters. It matters as far as the bottom line. So what is the overall health of the athletics budget? Well, you know, I, I think we're, we're kind of where we were probably the last time we talked, Ben, you know, we're, we're going to end up, you know, anywhere from 20 to 30 million, depending on kind of what happens with baseball, you know, how many fans we can have there, uh, you know, with basketball, do we end up getting back to the 25% or do we stay at 10%? There's some variables there. Um, but we're going to end up anywhere in the 20 to $30 million range, uh, you know, with the deficit this year, um, you know, we've got some creative ways that we we're going to, you know, try to do some external, uh, get some external debt and, and take care of that. The SEC is helping with some of that. Um, so we're going to be fine. You know, I, I think that, you know, certainly not ideal, but, uh, you know, and, and having a lot of our reserves depleted through the NCAA case is, is certainly not helpful, but, uh, we're going to be okay. We've got great financial people here. We've had donors that have stepped up. Uh, we've had a lot of uh, different things that have happened, but uh, you know, certainly hoping and, and, and really, you know, almost praying that we can, you know, have a full football stadium next year. That would certainly help. When we were talking before the year, it was perfect scenario, a normal football season that didn't happen, but there was a survivable scenario. And then there was a disaster scenario, which was the cancellation of the season. And then you're really in trouble. Is this the survivable scenario? Is this where we're at? That, that's exactly right. You know, we're, we're going to be able to survive and, uh, and, and, you know, we're going to be able to move forward. You know, I think if you look at some other schools, um, you know, that have bigger stadiums that have been selling those stadiums out, you know, they're, they're actually in a little bit of a, a worse predicament than us because they had farther to fall. And, and when they can only have 20 or 25% in their stadium, uh, you know, that was a big, that was a big margin. And, you know, for us, um, our original budget was based on about 60% capacity, which is what we sold the year before. And so when we're down to 25, it didn't hurt us as much. Um, and again, like I said, we've got great financial people here in the department and the foundation um, that have been great with all this. And so uh, we're going to be okay. Uh, we're going to keep battling. It's, it's by no means are we are we back where we need to be. We've still got a lot of work to do, but uh, we do see the light at the end of the tunnel. And if we can just kind of get past COVID and, like I said, maybe get to you know even a 50 or 75%, uh, hopefully 100% stadium capacity next year, um, I think we'll be in good shape. I meant to ask you this, but I think Kiffin was in the bottom four of yearly salary average. Is he now more in middle of the pack toward the top? Where is he now? I know you can't release terms, but in that general area. Yeah, I, I think for him, he, he was happy with where we landed. Um, it did get him a little higher up on the in, in the ranking in the SEC. Um, so I think he's in a good spot. And, and again, Ben, I know you're trying, but uh, we're going to get those terms Keith. out at some point. 
<laughs> I'm trying. I'm doing the best I can without actually getting the terms, but you know how it goes with this stuff. Keith, you've been on this podcast long enough. You know how it works. Come on, man. Yeah, I know how it works. I came prepared for this one, Ben. I knew these questions were coming. I knew they were coming. You knew when I texted you, oh, I know what Ben's going to ask. I didn't even have to tell you what I was going to ask. Um, well, before we get out of here, it's 2021 now. 2020 was inarguably the most challenging year for everybody, and Ole Miss Athletics wasn't immune to that. Um, your first full year, so now that you're looking forward and projecting forward, just what's your overall outlook for Ole Miss Athletics moving forward? Well, I think if you take if you take COVID out of this, Ben, I think I'm, I'm super bullish on where we are. You know, I think that we have a lot of great things going. Obviously, we just spent a lot of time talking about the football program and, and kind of where we think we're going there. Uh, you know, I think both of our basketball teams, you know, the, the men's team struggled the last couple of games, but you know, really excited about where both of those programs are going. I mean, all of our spring sports are, are in a great place. Um, you know, I think we just got a lot of great things going, and it gets overshadowed, obviously, by you know, pandemic that, that we're all dealing with. So um, we're just going to keep plugging away and, and doing what we do and, uh, you know, keep giving our student athletes the, the resources and the opportunities to, to have great experiences through athletics. And, um, you know, I feel, I truly feel like we've got a, a great opportunity here over the next, you know, four or five years to, to do some really cool things. He's Ole Miss Athletics Director Keith Carterman. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate you. And for, you know, doing the best you could to answer the questions when I threw them at you. Well, I've become very good at these uh, diplomatic answers, Ben. So uh, just try to try to thread the needle and, and keep moving. But uh, I appreciate you having me on today. It's a little different, Keith, i got to admit, than when you were back at working in Tad Smith Coliseum and we just sit there for an hour and talk and you just say everything. But now you're in the big chair and it's a little different. It's a little different. Well, I still get in trouble from time to time being a little too transparent. And, and I always want to be transparent. But uh, you know, with these terms, we'll get them out at some point and uh, – I think everyone's going to be excited to know that, you know, hopefully Coach, Coach Kibben's going to be here for a while. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate you. Okay, Ben. Talk soon. That was Keith Carter, Ole Miss Athletics Director. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter. Right for the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. He's Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. Mike Clement coming up here shortly on the Modern Woodman phone line. I got a little story for you. So John Rice Plumley, I know a lot of people are focused on his future. But what we need to understand here is that John Rice Plumley isn't going to be making that decision anytime soon. He is going to commit to the full baseball season. So if he does decide ultimately to leave, that won't happen until the summer. So there's going to be a lot of considerations going into his deliberative process as he decides whether or not to stay at Ole Miss or go. During the Indiana game, he drops the first pass. Safety for Indiana comes over. Talking noise says, you should have stayed at quarterback. Third and eight or whatever it was, the final drive, the game-winning drive for Ole Miss, John Rice Plumley catches that pass between two defenders. And you remember he blew a kiss after he caught that pass and moved the chains. Well, the safety that talked that noise was one of the defenders. And John Rice Plumley blew him a kiss and said, are you sure you're a safety? I'm I'm a huge John Rice fan, and you know, hopefully over this uh, over this little break or whatever during baseball season, he sits down. And, and sometimes you have to be self aware, man. Self awareness is is the biggest thing a lot of these kids lack nowadays. You just have to look at yourself and say, hey, am I an NFL quarterback, or or, or, or am I fine, or am I comfortable just going to play quarterback at a different school and and just playing football for two more years, or do I want to buy in? Um, you know, you're a great athlete and give yourself the best chance to make it to the next level. And that's, that's what it is. It's, it's not a quarterback and, you know, he's, he could probably be a serviceable quarterback, um, in college, you know, he's very athletic, but dude, you're, you're an absolutely, you're an elite, you have elite speed. Why not bulk up just a little bit, 
put on a little muscle and use that to your advantage, you know, be a key weapon that it, you, you have a role somewhere out there and, and it's going to give you a better chance to make it to the next level. So just, just be self-aware make the decision um, that that's, that's best for you. But the, but if you are looking to play football in the NFL, it's not going to be a quarterback. It's going to be at a skill position where you're going to be a user athleticism and speed. So, um, definitely him transferring late, uh, you know, playing, staying here and playing the baseball season, I think is going to help transferring late is going to do him no good. So, um, I mean that, that, that would just be a poor decision to wait till the summer. Um, you're going to come in late to a program and think you're going to be the court. I mean, it's just, there's a lot that goes into that, but I mean, I, I think I'm hoping he makes the right decision and Hey, Matt Crow gets hurt. Maybe Lane says, you know what, we'll have a package for you, quarterback, whatever. But he is, um, he's very athletic and if he fully commits to being a weapon, some kind of offensive weapon. I think he could take it to the next level. And I think he could, he could be, he could be absolutely outstanding. A couple of takeaways from all of that for me is one, he could still make the decision in a couple of weeks to leave. If he gets the vibes that he's not going to play very much in baseball, he could still up and leave. And then all of this whole conversation is moot. So not to say that he's going to play the full season, but the latest I've heard is that he's committed to playing the full season with Ole Miss baseball. Voluntary workouts opened on Monday, and he was there. And then official practices start on the 15th. But if you're going to be moving, then you need to be moving within the next two weeks if you're going to transfer and get your spot. I'm with you. Waiting to the summer, there's going to be far fewer spots out there. And again, if you're going to get in that transfer portal, you better already know where you're going to be going. So I think if he does play the full season, he's going to end up staying at Ole Miss. That's just purely my opinion. He could still decide at the end of the summer to leave, or he could decide in two weeks to leave. But I think that's the number one takeaway. The second takeaway, in September, I think, maybe October, on this podcast, I talked about how it wasn't really a quarterback battle. I found this out through talking to a bunch of different people. It wasn't really a quarterback battle. Matt Corral won it early. And part of that was the coaching staff, Lane Kiffin, and to bring it all back home, Jeff Levy told him, John Rice Plumley, flat out, you can't play quarterback in the system. And that's what led to all the rumors that you read on our message board or elsewhere that John Rice Plumley was not playing other positions because he had no willingness to play another position. He saw himself as a quarterback, so he was going to transfer. But I think what's really changed and given Ole Miss some momentum is, one, he had a great experience with Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy, and two, having that success in the Outback Bowl. And it might sound simplistic, but going out there and doing it, look, if this is your last game, let's go out with a bang here. Practice for a week at wide receiver. Just see what it would be like. What's the worst that could happen for you? You transfer anyway. Getting that and seeing the success of it and seeing that you're still every bit the dynamic player that you already think you are and have already shown to be in the open field at another position and you can help Ole Miss win. So those are the two biggest takeaways from that whole situation with John Rice Plumley as we await his decision whenever that decision does come. This is Talk of Champions. He's Bradley Sal. I'm Ben Garrett. Going now back to the Modern Women phone line to speak to Mike Clement, Ole Miss baseball hitting coach. Ole Miss baseball is coming quickly. We don't know about the schedule yet, as you heard Keith Carter talk about. We don't know about that schedule yet. So many different balls in the air, but we do know that Ole Miss baseball is about a month and a half away from starting, maybe a little bit earlier. It depends on what they decide to do. And Mike Clement, he knows all about it because he's the one guiding the hitters for Ole Miss baseball. But first, we've got to say bye to Brad. See you, buddy. See you, Ben. Howdy, toddy. This is Talk of Champions. Going now back to the Modern Women phone line. This is Mike Clement, Ole Miss baseball hitting coach. After we hear first from Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. It's a new year. 2020, that awful, awful year, is behind us, thank goodness. And that means new beginnings. Maybe even a new car. 
Well, if you're in the market, there's only one place to go. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you, get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory right now is priced to sell, and what separates Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff, they aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. And when you go, make sure to mention that Talk of Champions sent you. These guys are hardcore Ole Miss fans. They're going to want to talk some Rebel sports. But more importantly, they want to make the process as seamless as possible, that you get what you want at a good price. So contact them today at 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. That's where you got to go to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool, we'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman, let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Going down to the Modern Woodman phone line to speak to Mike Clement, Ole Miss baseball hitting coach. Baseball is going to be cranking back up here in a couple of weeks. All the players have returned for voluntary workouts. Mike, what's up, man? How you doing? Good, man. I appreciate you having me on. Uh... It's uh yeah, fun time of year to be a baseball coach. Uh, you can you can hopefully see the light at the end of the tunnel as far as games starting, and it's been the longest offseason ever. So we're excited. I ask you this question every year. I feel like around this time, but what is the next two weeks until the official start on the fifteenth? What do players get to do? What can they do? Yeah, so it's I, I compare it to the summer. So guys can be here. They can lift with Coach Boone, our strength coach. They can use our facilities. Um, we, we, as far as coaches, just can't put our hands on them. We can see them. Um, you know, it's almost like the, the Christmas presents. It's wrapped, and it's under the tree as a little kid, but you don't get to open it yet. So um, everybody's back, and, and, and they're using the facility, and they're in here working out and hitting and throwing and all of those things. Um, but, it, but until the 15th and, and voluntary work, uh, skill instruction, it's all voluntary up until that point. So um, but, 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 the, but the time is near. So it's, it's good to see all the guys back when you're a college baseball coach and campus is empty and players are gone. It, it, it gets boring quick. Do you have all your players on campus going through it? And that includes the football players. Uh, yes. All of those guys are back. Um, and, and, uh, obviously after the, after the bowl game, I heard uh, or saw, the quotes from Plumlee about being excited to get back to Swayze. And, and, and that is true. Uh, Ely, unfortunately, um, you know, has been dinged up a little bit football wise, which obviously didn't play in the bowl game, but um, has some shoulder instability and, and is actually going to have to have surgery and miss baseball season um, this spring, which is obviously unfortunate, but, but it's not going to be anything that, you know, keeps him from playing baseball. It's going to get cleaned up and, um, he'll be football next fall and, and, and baseball next spring and um, and be back. But obviously, you know, selfishly, from, from, from my standpoint, um, man, the kid we've talked about before, an incredibly dynamic personality, and um, I've made him promise he's going to be around the baseball field a bunch because uh, he makes us better just with his presence alone. Good as he is as a football player, his first love, he's told people this is baseball. And he was a highly recruited kid. He was a top 100 player. There was a lot of thought about him potentially being a high school prospect drafted. So obviously, this has got to be tough for him. How has he handled that in y'all's conversations with him? Here's the thing about about Jerry. He he 
um, at some point last baseball season, um, while we were playing games last spring, uh, he made a comment, I think almost in passing, um, that he's never had a bad day in his life. And I kind of, uh, flippantly laughed at that comment. Um, and then as the season went on and then got shut down and, uh, my relationship, personal relationship with him grew a little bit. Uh, I have never known the kid to have a bad day. Um, and so, you know, when this news comes out, um, I'm telling you, he took it in stride and, and it's really unique. His, his personality is unique. He's a special kid. And so, um, you know, I, I think there's probably some disappointment there. Um, but man, more, more so than most uh, kids that are 19 or 20 years old, um, he can, he, he lives with the glass half full. And so, um, he's, he's a pretty special kid. So, uh, I'm, I'm sure there's some disappointment there uh, on his behalf, but, uh, then I, I think he knows, um, how blessed he is. That's why he's fun to be around. It's, it's why we're better, um, with, with his presence alone. Does his loss dramatically affect the outfield outlook? Um, that's the hard part because, you know, I think had, had I answered the question, uh, like you probably assumed I was going to answer the question, which is, you know, he's going to get in here and, you know, compete for a spot and all of those things. Um, I think my answer would be the same. It's, it's a little bit hard to know just because he and Plumlee, uh, are in a unique situation with not being over here as much, uh, in the fall. Um, although with coach Kiffin practicing in the morning, they're, they're able to get more reps, um, over here in the afternoons in the fall, but, but even still not seeing live pitching, all of that, it's just from a coaching standpoint. And I hate to be, you know, I want to be as honest with you as I can. I hate to be the, um, coach speaker, the cliche guy, but, um, it's really hard to know until we see those guys get out on the field and how they compete and how they handle live pitching. And, um, you know, with me, it's, it's about swinging it. And, um, if you can swing it, uh, we'll find a place for you. And so I think it's with both those guys, it was going to kind of boil down to that, you know, how they took their bats and all of that. So, um, I don't know if I can completely answer if it dramatically swings the look of our outfield potentially. Yes. Um, but then on the other hand, um, it could have been no. The answer could have been no also. Now, his skill set is supremely unique in that um, he was going to have a role. It's just a matter of was it going to be the everyday center fielder and uh, leadoff hitter or nine-hole hitter, or was it going to be a defensive replacement? Was it going to be pinch run? You know, all of those things. I think the spectrum of possibilities for him on this team this spring uh, was fairly wide, whereas if you ask about a baseball only player. Um, I think I could give you a little more narrow focus on, on what potentially his role looks like without having played any games yet. Totally an assumption on my part, but I would say that it probably most impacts Justin Bench, Peyton Chatagnier and Jacob Gonzalez, because now it kind of brings clarity to where those guys will start, not necessarily where they'll finish, but where they'll start once they'll get started on January 15th. Yeah, I think that's a you know, fairly accurate assumption um, because you know, if you have somebody without either one of those three names playing in one of those three positions, meaning second base, shortstop, and center field, that that's going to affect the other one. Because as we sit here on whatever January the fifth, uh, my assumptions, barring injury, all three of those guys are in our opening day lineup, meaning Gonzalez, 
bench and Chavier. So, um, you know, if somebody else gets in one of those three positions, obviously that there's some moving parts that go with that. Um, but again, as, as we sit here, those three names that you mentioned, um, barring injury, I, I, I think it's pretty safe to say are, are in our lineup. Breaking news, Mike Clement announces Justin Bench is the everyday center fielder. There you go. <laughs> uh, you broke the news. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. When you look at your roster and considering the fall, this is a team that returns so much, especially considering that the NCAA expanded the roster. So are there a lot of unknowns with this team or undefined roles that you're really looking at as you prepare to go into the season? Um, I think if there is uh, an area – that is a little more undefined um, from a role perspective. I think I could tell you the names, um, but the bullpen roles um, I don't think are clearly defined. Um, I think the names are pretty much what you would expect from because there's veteran guys there. That's actually where the uh, seniors that we thought were going to be seniors last year that got a year back. That's where all of those guys lie. Um, but I don't. I'm not supremely clear on what those roles are. Talk about Tyler Myers, Taylor Broadway, uh, you know, Forsyth is in there. Uh, you know, those names that I think are Austin Miller that, that are, that are um, really well known and, and maybe our most experienced. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out um, only because some of those guys were better than others in the fall. So I think those roles are to be determined a little bit, which is probably pretty typical in college baseball from a bullpen standpoint. Other than that, um, I think you nailed it. I think because of the unique year, um, we feel pretty solid about where we're at with, with some of the other stuff. We'll get right back to Mike Clement, Ole Miss baseball hitting coach in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Cheney's Pharmacy and PropSwap.com, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. A new year is here, and you want to put your best foot forward. The only way to do that is to make sure that you're taking care of yourself, that you're keeping yourself safe, that your pharmacy is one you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi, that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down. It's not close. So give Cheney's a call. 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at cheneyspharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. The newest addition to the Talk of Champions family of advertisers is PropSwap.com. PropSwap.com is an online marketplace where you can buy and sell sports betting tickets. Whether it's a long shot future, a parlay with one game left, or even a straight bet at halftime, PropSwap lets you post your ticket for sale and lock in your money before the event is over. PropSwap is also a great place to purchase tickets from the comfort of your home at better odds than the sports books are offering. 
go to PropSwap.com today, register for an account, and enter promo code Biloxi. That's Biloxi, B-I-L-O-X-I, for a deposit match up to $100. Ask Clay Travis, Cousin Sal, or Darren Rovell about the value of PropSwap and add it to your repertoire to make yourself a profitable sports better. PropSwap.com, that's PropSwap, P-R-O-P-S-W-A-P.com, promo code Biloxi. Does Tim Elko on day one run out to third base or a corner? Uh, again, uh, a little bit to be determined, um, and I don't want to. I don't want to make the declaration today because we have those three weeks of inner squad. But I will say this: um, I'm going to guess 85 to 90 percent of his reps in the fall were at third base. Now, some of that is because we feel comfortable with him as a corner outfielder, and I think he's got a chance to be a pretty good corner outfielder. Um, and he hasn't played as much third base because of Keenan. Um, so some of it's that, um, but we also, after the fall, we feel pretty comfortable with him over there. So, um, you know, if you're, if you're interviewing the guy that makes out the lineup, meaning coach Bianco, um, right now and ask him the same question, um, I don't think he would be, uh, bashful in saying it's our hope that, you know, that, that Elko could be on every day third baseman, I think that was our intent running, running him out there in the fall. And, you know, um, I think there's a strong possibility without, without putting the rubber stamp on it. I don't, you know, I think there's a strong possibility that that he would be the guy that runs out there when we, when we open it up. The reason I bring it up is because when I was talking to Bianco, maybe November, he mentioned how Kevin Graham probably had the best fall of anybody. And if anybody had come further, if you can, in the fall, it, it was Kevin. No, no question. And, and I think a couple things play into Elko's uh, position on the field. Like you said, uh, he's in our lineup every day. We feel pretty strongly about that. He's put together a pretty good run the last 12 months. Um, but, but some of what, because he's so valuable and versatile, um, some of what either puts him in the third base spot or takes him out of it depend on other people, meaning – Jacob Gonzalez is the shortstop. Um, you know, if he's our shortstop, that leaves the third base spot open. And if somebody else plays shortstop, that may move Gonzo over to third base. You don't know. And then exactly what you said, Kevin Graham, um, probably more of a disappointment than a success last year in a, in a group of people that were largely a success. And, and he completely turned it around, got challenged a little bit at the, after the shutdown and man, he, he responded really well. So, when he's that, he's a, he pushes to the corner outfield spot, which, again, pushes Elko possibly um, you know, into that corner infield spot. As you coaches are talking in your offices together and Coach B's actively involved in these conversations, what do we know about the schedule right now? Yeah, it's, uh, it's wide open. You know, I, I think some things have been uh, reported and probably falsely uh, reported a little bit. You know, the, the beauty of Commissioner Sankey um, at least in my estimation, in the fall, and, and and a large reason why the football season on the whole was such a success in the Southeastern Conference, because he waited, and uh, he waited as long as he could to make a decision. Uh, you know, got as much information as he could, um, and then made a decision later on. Whereas some other conferences, uh, you know, and this is a baseball coach talking, it seems like made a knee-jerk reaction, and then. Um, probably had to scramble to, to, to redo things. And it just was kind of a bad look and it, and it made for an uneven season. Um, and I think he and uh, Herb Vincent, you know, the, the associate commissioner um, are taking a similar approach. I think all things are on the table. And when I say all things, 
everything from playing the normal 56 games, 30 conference games uh, schedule to 56 conference games uh, and everything in between. They've talked about a lot of different things as far as that goes. Um, four game weekends, three game weekends. Um, and I know they have another conference call this week. And, and so uh, they've been pretty consistent that the coaches have on these Zoom meetings um, monthly and sometimes multiple times a month as, as the season gets closer. Um, and I think there are still a lot of options on the table. I think we'll know something here in the next couple of weeks. Um, but I think the um, kind of the, the, the commissioner's stance on it is let's wait as long as we can to make the best decision we can. And I think that's really benefited him with the other sports that have either finished or, or are underway. Within the Ole Miss coaching staff, what are the thoughts on the all-league possibility in four-game weekends? Because I think that Ole Miss is pretty well suited with the staff and all the arms that they have to be able to get through it, but that's got to be a daunting, daunting task to think about. Laugh and coach – have very little hair anyway, um, <laughs> but it would probably be a detriment to my hairline for sure. Um, and I'm more I'm more gray than I am bald, and so um, probably far more gray hairs the more conference games we play. Uh, I say that partially joking, but I think like as far as our team goes, and the one thing that coach and I'm not very good at this, just being blunt, but the coach is really good at, and I don't know if it's experience or years in the league or what it is is he does a really good job of um, thinking what's best for the all, meaning all of the teams in the league, what's best for college baseball. Um, If I'm being completely honest with you, uh, I think what's best for our team right now, like how are we going to win? How are we going to win the league? How are we going to win the national title? Like I think of uh, the immediate what's right in front of my nose, uh, what's best for this team and this makeup, which is kind of the question you asked. Um, The good thing is I think we're good. Um, and I think we're going to be good in whatever format it is. Um, I think it's as much pitching depth as we've had in, you know, my seven years here. Um, and I think we have a lot of success uh, coming back from the offensive side of things. So I feel comfortable with, with the makeup of our team, no matter wh- how that thing spins out. Um, and, you know, some of it take, take away the nerves of every weekend playing an SEC opponent and, and that being your entire season. Um, you know, it seems like the more games you play, just like in the big league, the, the cream usually rises to the top, and I feel pretty good about our team. So you can look at it a few different ways. Um, but but uh, I don't know. I, I guess I probably didn't directly answer that question, but that's kind of that's kind of my thoughts. Um, just putting it down and being honest with you. Well, the question that really pops up in my mind about this in particular is when you look at an all league schedule, how will it be weighted? when you consider the postseason and seeding in the postseason and the teams that get in. In football, Ole Miss was four and five. And I guess when they were picking bowls or slotting bowls, they considered a four and five Ole Miss team to effectively being a normal year, an eight win team considering the non-conference schedule. So then you got Ole Miss at four and five against the number 11 Indiana Hoosiers in a game, the Outback Bowl, that it had never been in before. That's where I wonder, baseball-wise, how you extrapolate that out for the postseason. Yeah, I think that's where it gets really tricky um, because, you know, they had to figure out who, from a, from a playing to win a national title standpoint in football, they had to figure out four. Um, it's a and they botched that, Clem. They botched that one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, no comment. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, the, the hard part in baseball is you're trying to find, and basketball, you're trying to find 
64. And so you're right. If it goes to league only, man, it, it completely changes the, you know, the format of the sport and how many teams do you let in and all of that. Um, uh, that's for someone way smarter than me. Um, and I don't know, yeah, I don't know how they do it. And the hard part being in the league that we're in is do they just make, you know, Hey, the average of the last five years is eight teams from the league get in and all right. So it's eight, um, man, that's tough. That's really, really tough because, um, I think on any given year, um, you know, the team that finishes eighth or ninth in our league, um, you know, it's better than a lot of teams. I would just say that. And then, and then secondly, would have a chance to go play in Omaha right now. Do we feel like Ole Miss is going to start its season on time? Um, I have been given no indication, um, otherwise. Yeah. I, I, I do feel, uh, I do feel that way. Um, and again, I'm probably not the perfect person to ask, um, me as an assistant coach and, you know, the guy that sits down the hall, um, is in on, you know, at least the head coaches meetings. And, I, and, so, and at some point it goes above that too. But um, I've been given no indication to think, you know, we're growing business as usual. We're going to start on February 19th and, um, and, and be ready to roll. So uh, I think so. Yes, but I don't have, um, I'm not saying yes, because I know that for a fact, I, I just haven't been given any indication otherwise. Well, the interesting part is, when y'all were shut down, y'all had, had fans in the stands and in right field and left field, and then you go on the road trip, shut down when you come back, the season's over. Y'all haven't gotten the experience of playing in front of limited capacity or no fans. So I'm talking to Keith Carter on Tuesday, and he said straight up that 25% capacity, that's what they're working with right now with no tailgating. Does that impact in any way the game day experience or atmosphere for the players? It does, obviously, for the fans, but for the players and the coaches, do y'all feel that in any tangible way? I think the answer is yes. I think I'm supposed to say no. Um, but I, but I think the answer is yes. I think it's <laughs> our fans and our atmosphere are, it is so unique. Um, that I, I think it equates to wins. I'm just being completely honest. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I think it's a detriment to us. Uh, I, I don't think, I think there's probably all a dozen or less programs in the entire country that could answer yes to that. Um, but I, I do, I think it affects us. Uh, we're, we're in a town of 20 to 25,000 people and we have, you know, over 7,000 season tickets sold on a yearly basis, or at least the last couple of years. Um, and I think it has a huge impact. Um, and so, uh, I think I'm supposed to answer no, Hey, once the game starts, our guys are completely locked in and they're going to play the same, no matter if there's no one in the stands or there are people in the stands. The fact is, um, in college baseball, a game of 56 games as opposed to 162, um, it's more of a game of emotion. And uh, our guys play better when there's more people in the stands and they get more excited to play the more people there are. Um, and, you know, just being around the players the last couple of days as far as them coming in the office or whatever, some of the first questions they've asked are not about what does our schedule look like. It's, you know, how many, how many fans – you think we'll be able to get into the, to the ballpark. And so I think that tells you enough um, of what they're worried about, that they love playing in front of the fans. There's a very personal relationship. It feels like with the players and the fans in the stands. I mean, you got the hat tips at the end of the games and the student section when, for example, getting through the regional, going out there and celebrating in right field. So it's just a very different type of relationship. So I could see that, but looking forward 
to getting started. Every year there's anticipation for the season, for players getting back, getting started, preparing for the season. Does it feel different, though, this year, considering where y'all were, when it ended, and how disappointing it was, and the long layoff? Yeah, guys went to summer ball, and yes, y'all got a fall, but considering how it ended, I would assume that right now in that locker room, in that building, the anticipation for this season in particular has to be through the roof. Yeah, uh, no doubt, no doubt, because it's a bunch of guys who have been here for a while, and, and it even feels uh, as you know the Peyton Chatniers of the world and, and Hayden Dunhurst. It feels like they've been here a long time. They're gonna, you know, on the roster, it's gonna still say freshman next to their name, which is super weird to me. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that our our players are are very excited, and when you know the combination of us being a top five team in the country and being 16 and one when that thing got shut down and the emotion of, you know, feeling like the rug was pulled out from underneath you um, combined with uh, a bunch of guys returning and, and feeling like we got a chance to be pretty good. Um, that all adds up to us as coaches, especially in the fall, really trying to coach it, the process, you know, Hey, let's not, let's not hope to fall away. Let's get better. All of those things. Uh, Cause our guys are chomping at the bit and you'd much rather have it be that way. Um, than, than, than the other way as far as um, just kind of going through the motions. Uh, yeah, the answer is yes. They're, they're super excited, and I think there's a ton of anticipation for um, what the spring's going to look like. The first time you fill out that lineup, be it for an inner squad, whatever, the first full lineup, who's hitting one, two, three, and four? Mm, really tough. Uh, somewhere, uh, I can name three of the four, I think. Oh, um, okay. and I don't know. I don't know about position, where at, but somewhere in one, two, three, and four, uh, for me. And, and keep in mind, I make out the lineups for inner squads. Yes, uh, we know, Clint. We know, wins, we know. Real wins and losses, it's not me. <laughs> uh, uh, somewhere in there, Elko, Gonzalez, and Chatnier. Uh, and then I think, I think for the for the other spot, and again, in no particular order. Uh, I feel I feel pretty good about if, if I'm the one making out the lineup, I'm, I'm putting those three somewhere in there. And then the other spot, I think there's some options for, um, you know, depending on what you want to do, you, you, you have, you have Graham, you, there's, there's a lot of options. You can go bench, uh, you can go Graham um, so, um, and, and some other guys too. So I feel pretty good about three of those. And then it's just a matter of personnel, like who fits where, um, for that other spot. How's Derek Diamond doing? I think I did doing? like 60% you did. good answer. You did. You did pretty good. But how's Derek Diamond doing? <laughs> good. 100%. Um, uh, throwing pens, he's, he's 100%. I hear Greer Holston's doing a lot of good things, continuing to do good things, because, man, what a great story he was and just had a remarkable turnaround. He has. He has uh, the arm strength and the and the stuff was never in question. I think he's in a really good place. Um, not, you know, Again, he's another one of those guys. I don't know exactly what the role is, uh, but there's a role for that guy for sure. He's Mike Clement, Ole Miss baseball hitting coach. Thanks for doing this, man. I love having you on. You know I'm going to have you on probably three or four more times during the season, if not more. Um, So thank you. You I appreciate you, and uh, look forward to being out there whenever I get out there. We'll do it. Thanks for having me, Ben. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, 
visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.